time. Time is running out. Calling all patriots and lovers of our constitutionally protected, God-given, self-evident, innate legal rights in Tennessee and the United States of America. If you are sickened by the liberty-eroding activities of a government that hates you, then it is time to wake up. If you are fed up with the tyrannical leadership on display by all levels of government, now is the time to listen to your reveille call. If you are equally tired of the political class, the new aristocracy, lying to you in their pursuit of power and control, now is the time to take a stand in the arena. Please welcome your host, Larry Linton, U.S. Navy veteran and candidate for Tennessee House of Representatives to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Well, I'm wrapping up what may be my last engagement for quite some time here in the Permian Basin, probably for the remainder of 2022. I will need these next two plus months to focus solely on the campaign. And maybe, just maybe, the voters here in Tennessee House District 12 will choose to employ me on their behalf on November 8th. Along those lines, I would like to inform the voters here in Tennessee of some key dates or deadlines concerning the November 8th election. If you do not live in Tennessee, be sure and check the deadlines in your state. Remember, there is no amount of fraud that can overcome a greater than 80% actual participation rate in the voting by the electorate. Anyway, the first one for here in Tennessee is the deadline to register to vote. That is Tuesday, the 11th of October. If you are not registered to vote, send me an email and I will be able to point you in the right direction. Heck, I'll even deliver a voter registration application to your doorstep if you would like me to. I will have a few of those on hand as I go door-to-door starting next week. Seriously though, if you are not registered to vote, please do so quickly. Contact my campaign or the Sevier County Election Commission to get that process started as quickly as possible. Their phone number is 865-453-6985. Or you can send an email to the Sevier County Election Commission by addressing it to elections at severcountytn.gov. If you need to vote by absentee ballot, the deadline to request that is Tuesday, November 1st. Early voting for the November 8th election runs from Wednesday, October 19th through Thursday, November 3rd. Many of my longtime listeners know my thoughts about early voting. It is one of the things with our elections that needs to be fixed. That and getting rid of these machines. But early voting is like adding a fifth quarter to a four-quarter football game. Early voting allows those that would cheat the system know just how many votes they need to come up with in the fifth quarter to win the game. I would encourage everybody to vote on election day itself. That is... Tuesday, November 8th. So show up and participate in our system of self-governance. Take control of the General Assembly again. We can send a message to Nashville that we will not be controlled by political action committee money or corporate money, nor any special interest group outside of the premier special interest group, which is we the people. 
So, stand in the arena with me and let's make Election Day in Sevier County be the shot that is heard by the political parties all around the state and all around the nation. We can begin to loosen the stranglehold that the political parties have on our state. Another reminder here for the upcoming meet and greet I have scheduled for the 17th of September at the King Family Library. I have a special guest at that event. Independent, constitutional Republican candidate for governor, John Gentry, will be attending the event with me. John has been working hard for years now to get the General Assembly to actually follow our state's constitution, as well as educating the electorate on our constitutionally protected rights. Another great attribute is that John is a veteran as well having served in the United States Marine Corps as a young man. Please come on out and let's discover together the ways in which we can make government actually serve by the consent of the governed once again. Don't forget about the other meet and greets I have scheduled as well. You can see them all on my Facebook campaign page. The first one is next Tuesday here at the Seymour branch of the Sevier County Public Library. Then there are two in October. Be sure and check them out on Facebook. Follow all of my social media pages and on the web at libertyleadershipandlies.com to stay current. I hope you remember from last week's episode that we were going to discuss some interactions I have been having on social media, and not as a podcast host or even my personal social media pages, but on and through my campaign social media pages. Specifically, the interactions with the events I created on that platform to let the voters here in District 12 know about the meet and greets coming up. I have had some very interesting comments and messages, to say the least. Three individuals in particular who have bought into the lies that the new aristocracy spews on a daily basis. These lies are spread by the usurpers of liberty in our states and nation's capitals with regularity now. These lies are told to grow the ranks of the useful idiots all across the fruited plains. That reminds me of the old joke about how can you tell if a politician is lying to you? Well, their mouth is moving. The same thing applies to major news media outlets. That's the exact opposite of what I will be once I'm elected. I can promise you that. Anyway, isn't it ironic that the current administration wanted a robust disinformation governance board, yet nearly everything that comes out of D.C. is disinformation? That disinformation governance board is just really a copy of George Orwell's Ministry of Truth from the novel 1984. In that, what I call dystopian book, the Ministry of Truth was created to control the message people were receiving from news, entertainment, education, and the fine arts. We might discuss the other three ministries in a future episode and how it closely parallels our government today, but I'll give you a little breakdown. Those ministries are the Ministry of Peace, which dealt with matters relating to war. Now, with regards to that, think the gigantic money laundering scheme that is called foreign aid right now, and how the public is sold on how it contributes to avoiding war. The Ministry of Love, which is supposed to maintain law and order, kind of reminds me of the summer of love in 2020 and how the usurpers encouraged and facilitated the riots and wanton destruction all over the nation, right? Government-sanctioned and enabled riots and wanton destruction in the name of diversity, inclusion, and equity. Those words create an interesting acronym, don't you think? Diversity, inclusion, and equity. D-I-E. Die. Yep, by not only embracing that ideology, 
but forcing it as defined by the usurpers and their useful idiots, forcing it down the people's throats, that is what will happen to our polite society. It will die. The final ministry is called the Ministry of Plenty. The government, through the 16th Amendment, thinks it's an operation of plenty. Not only through that atrocious amendment, but through its ability to print money willy-nilly and then deny that government spending and government printing of money is not what causes inflation. Give a listen to this little soundbite from one of the most brilliant economists to ever live, Milton Friedman. Inflation is made in Washington because only Washington can create money. And any other attribution of, to other groups of inflation is wrong. Consumers don't produce it. Producers don't produce it. The trade unions don't produce it. Foreign sheiks don't produce it. Oil imports don't produce it. What produces it is too much government spending and too much government creation of money and nothing else. Some of the younger generation will not know who Milton Friedman is, so I'll provide a little background and encourage the listeners to go look him up. Read his books and listen to him speak. Mr. Friedman was an American economist and statistician who received the 1976 Nobel Memorial Prize in Economic Sciences for his research on consumption analysis, monetary history and theory, and the complexity of stabilization policy. With the exception of some of the recent recipients of Nobel Prizes, you all know who I'm talking about here, in the 1970s, the prize was not tainted by the culture like it is today. In his 1962 book, Capitalism and Freedom, he advocated policies such as a volunteer military. Look at what an all-volunteer military has produced for this nation, the finest fighting force the world has ever seen, but it's being destroyed by diversity, inclusion, and equity. Other policies were free-floating exchange rates, abolition of medical licenses, and a negative income tax. And one of my favorites, school vouchers. His support for school choice led him to found the Friedman Foundation for Educational Choice, later renamed EdChoice. Mr. Friedman's many works cover a broad range of economic topics and public policy issues. His books and essays have had global influence, including in former communist countries all over the globe. Upon his death, the publication The Economist, well, they described him as the most influential economist of the second half of the 20th century, possibly all of it. In short, Mr. Friedman was a brilliant man and knew exactly what he was talking about. What are the useful idiots and the usurpers of liberty in Washington, D.C. telling us here lately? Well, the complete opposite. Or, in other words, they are lying to us. And people buy into their lies all the time, often because the useful idiots in the media parrot anything that comes out of the White House, but only if the occupant in the White House is the media's preferred political party. Through generations of government control of public education in our nation, well, that has created millions of people that are incapable of critical thinking, so they buy into the usurper's lies. That is how our government creates useful idiots. Their lies convince a bunch of people that are not able to think critically, which is a byproduct of the indoctrination they receive in government schools, and turning them into the useful idiots themselves. Then these same useful idiots, these new ones that they created, 
Well, they troll the internet to attack conservatives, Christians, and constitutionalists. Attack them, or us, with the lies they have been spoon-fed by a government that hates its people. These three individuals that were engaging with me believe the exact opposite of what our Constitution actually states, as well as misinterpretations of the contemporary writings of the Founding Fathers that support the plain language of the Constitution. Or they believe that government infers rights or confers rights to people, instead of what government's purpose actually is. I'll remind you of what it is by something that comes straight from the best breakup letter in the history of mankind. Yes, I'm referring to the Declaration of Independence here. Anyway, from the breakup letter comes this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Well, did you catch that part? The one where the founding fathers stated explicitly what the purpose of government is. Government is created by men to protect our God-given rights. Not to establish rights, not to abolish rights, but to secure or protect those rights. Yet I was in a constant interaction with three people that have bought into the lies spewed by the government for generations now. We've been down the rabbit hole of Roe v. Wade many times and how it was overturned by the Supreme Court recently in their decision in the Dobbs v. Jackson's women's health case, where the majority pointed out two critical elements that contributed to Roe v. Wade being overturned. First of all, and no matter how you read it, the plain language of the Constitution does not contain within it the right to an abortion. You can read it forwards, backwards, or even in a mirror. Nowhere does it grant the right to an abortion. In fact, if we go back to the writing that kicked off this great republic in 1776, that document states that one of our God-given, self-evident, inalienable rights is this, life. What does abortion actually do? Well, it ends a life. It is government-sanctioned ending of life without the due process of law. The commies and useful idiots try to state the false equivalency about how one cannot be pro-life and pro-death penalty, but they never consider that due process of law part. When a person is sentenced to death by a jury of their peers, it often occurs when the accused deprived another person of their right to life. In doing so, the accused forfeits their own right to life. In the case of abortion, well, the unborn child is not provided due process of law, nor are they convicted by a jury of their peers. There is really no other way to say this other than they are convicted by the circumstance of inconvenience or the circumstance of location. Anyway, two of the three individuals' main gripes, if you could call it that, main gripes with me being a constitutional conservative is that I, and people like me, believe in taking away a woman's right to have an abortion. Like I've said many times before, and like the Supreme Court recently affirmed, there is no constitutional right to an abortion. In fact, there is no such thing as a constitutional right. Because 
the Constitution does not confer rights. It just keeps the government from encroaching upon our inalienable, self-evident, God-given rights. They refuse to see that fact at all. Why? Well, it's because the lies told by government and the usurpers that serve in it. The lies that create these useful idiots. Another thing that the Supreme Court correctly affirmed in that case was that the system of federalism that our constitutional republic is built upon. The Constitution grants powers to the federal government, very limited and specific powers as outlined in Article 1, Section 8, which we've discussed many times on this podcast, and everything that is not listed there belongs to the states and the people. Since none of the enumerated powers of the Constitution protect a self-evident, inalienable, God-given right to an abortion, those decisions on whether to grant government those powers belong at the state level with the people. A brilliant system of checks and balance that operates by the philosophy that all power is inherent in the people. What occurred in these discussions is a direct result of our government lying to people for decades now. Lies that are so convincing that even the proclaimed Christian, commenting on my ad, thinks that protecting the unborn is the beginning of establishing a theocracy in this constitutional republic. Which, of course, could not be further than the truth. We've discussed free will before and how it is one of God's most powerful gifts to mankind. That same free will, recognized as a gift from the Creator, is protected by the Constitution. While protecting the most innocent among us can be classified as a religious tenet, in most of the world's religions too, not just Christianity, it is also an activity that can be based upon biological imperatives as well. Parents in almost all species on the planet protect their offspring. Yes, even the offspring that have not reached the phase that is often thrown about quite frequently, the point of viability. So yes, believers and non-believers, well, they believe people should not kill the unborn, especially for the sake of convenience. The callous disregard for life that is so prevalent in our nation right now has at its roots the pro-choice movement. Then there was this atheist clamoring about an article of the state's constitution that runs counter to his belief system. This young man asked if I would fix Article 9, Section 2 of the Tennessee Constitution, and he called it, quote, it's an embarrassing relic, unquote. Let me read to you what Article 9, Section 2 of our state's constitution says. It states, quote, no person who denies the being of God or a future state of rewards and punishments shall hold any office in the civil department of the state, unquote. So not really a religious clause, but you could probably tell which word he objects to in that section, right? It's the word God, capital G, God. That is because of the desire to erase our creator from all public view resides on the left. Further comments reveal that this person is very anti-religion, or at least that is what he thinks. He just doesn't realize he is a follower of a different type of religion himself, either atheism or secular humanism. In the fight of separation of church and state, which is garbage anyway and not stated anywhere in the Constitution, he just objects to the church or churches 
he doesn't belong to because the church is people. But the useful idiots that are created by government lies cannot see the hypocrisy of their own stance. Their activism to remove Christianity from the public square can only be accomplished by replacing it with their religion, their imposition of their beliefs on the people, which is what they are accusing Christians and constitutional conservatives of doing in the first place. Also, he doesn't take into account that the government doesn't follow that article. There are plenty of secular humanists serving in our government right now. There are plenty of atheists. They don't advertise themselves that way, like trans-publicans. They are trans-Christians, identifying as something other than what they really are so they can get elected. Nor does he consider the fact that he is completely fine with the government not following other parts of the Constitution, specifically the instances where they erode our liberty and rob us of our sweat equity, contrary to the limits placed upon government by the constitutions of Tennessee and the United States. Because when the government ignores its constitutionally limited roles in those areas, it suits his purpose or his lifestyle. But let me tell you, you can't have it both ways. Either you follow the constitution or you don't. Our nation right now is living out the consequences of government operating outside of its constitutionally limited powers for generations. Then, finally, there was one individual who admitted after several comments over several days on one of my meet and greet advertisements that he was only there to heckle. It is interesting how all three of these individuals, when invited by myself to come to one of these public events I was hosting, to discuss this in a real world, so to speak, in a public forum, they refuse to. Why is that, ladies and gentlemen? Of course, we all know the why. They understand the why as well. It is because they have been turned into liars by the useful idiots and the new aristocracy, and they know that their lies will not stand up to facts and logic and under public scrutiny. Trolling on social media and being keyboard warriors is the limits they place on themselves in defending these lies. Because also, deep down, they know they are living and defending lies. And with that, this week's wisdom from God's Word comes to us from a couple of passages. And this will take a bit of a different track because this goes to the heart of what being a Christ-centered servant leader is supposed to do. So we'll start with God's Word coming out of Luke 6.35. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful, and to the evil. I thought of this passage from God's Word because of my interactions with the three people on my social media advertising. Hateful words or lies were cast at me repeatedly over the course of many days now. Now let's get into the next passage. It comes to us from 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. With these two passages from God's Word I just read, I want to stress this. We have enemies in this fight to restore constitutional principles. They are all around us, pressing us, 
confusing our fellow Americans with lies, our fellow children of God. We are all created in His image, whether we choose to acknowledge that or not. As Christians, we cannot forget that even our enemies, those that choose to persecute us, they too are children of God and created in His image. In not acknowledging who they are and by persecuting people of faith and people that want a restoration of the Constitutional Republic guaranteed in our Constitution, they have struck down many on the side of truth, facts, and logic with their cancel culture. They have all done this at the behest of a government that now hates the people it is supposed to represent. But ladies and gentlemen, we must not despair. Also, we must not turn into the enemy by engaging in the same behavior. What we must do is to continue to show them the love and freedom we have in Jesus Christ. True oppression only comes from the hand of the usurpers of liberties and their useful idiots. We all know who the great deceiver is, and to turn people away from that, we cannot become what they are. We must love our enemies and do good. Loving them does not mean supporting or enabling their choices. Loving them means providing for them the example to emulate with the love and freedom that we have that only comes from a personal relationship with our Creator. You will, or you already have, notice that the most hate-filled people in our society today are those that do not have that personal relationship or the ones that have the fake-it-until-you-make-it relationship in order to fool people into supporting them. We need to rise above all that noise and let our personal example serve as a flame to a moth. Let them come to us willingly, not forcefully, much like our Creator. We must not become that which we are battling against. I must tell you that those interactions on my campaign page tempted me. Tempted me to, as my pastor would say, blow my witness. But through prayer and the extremely wise counsel from my lovely wife, if I told you all recently how much of a blessing she is to me, well, I was polite the entire time and attempted to let my personal example show through instead of trying to force the issue. That old saying that you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink came to mind. But what makes people thirsty? Salt. So I tried to be salt and light to these people that have bought into the lies the new aristocracy and their useful idiots have been peddling in our republic for generations. We must all give these believers of the useful idiots salt and light to not only show them what having a personal relationship with our creator is like, but give them salt and light as it relates to the foundation of our nation that was created by Christ-centered servant leaders. That is how we can stand in the arena as well, by being salt and light. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.